for any entrepreneur out there, you know the roller coaster. It's a whole different set of stress, but for me, it's been so worth it because I am my own boss and I get yeah. to set my schedule and lifestyle design is huge for me, like huge is pretty much all I care about. You're listening to the Just Start Real Estate Podcast. If you're serious about your real estate investing business and need real answers, you are in the right place. And now, your host, Mike Simmons. Hey, thanks for joining me on the show today. Guys, I've got a good one for you. Got a very fun interview. Probably one of the most fun I've had on uh, an interview uh, in all the time that I've been doing it. Just a really, really fun guest. Somebody who's very smart knows her stuff, has a great message, and we had a good time. So I really think you're gonna enjoy this. I have the former aerospace engineer, lifestyle entrepreneur, and author, and real estate investor. She left her nine to five corporate cubicle job. She talks a lot about that. She's a hilarious uh, story about that. Uh, to pursue her ultimate uh, lifetime goal of freedom. Uh, she, Like I said, she's an entrepreneur. She built her company, the Hipster Investment Company. Uh, and it's, uh, it, it's a company that's designed to help facilitate uh, getting people into uh, turnkey rentals. And it's a very, very cool model. She's also a pilot. She teaches flying. Uh, she's a snowboarder. She does volunteer work. She's just such a cool person, such a fun person. And, uh, and we had a great time on this, uh, and the, this conversation was just really, really fun. And uh, she's also uh, was a former writer for Bigger Pockets, uh, somebody who contributed quite a bit to that, uh, that website and that community, and uh, just goes to show that she really knows her stuff and people come to her looking to get into turnkey rentals, and she is the authority on that. So uh, guys, I have Allie Boone on the show today. You don't want to miss it. Sit down, grab something to drink, get comfortable. If you're in your car, if you're riding on the treadmill or running on the treadmill, get ready to have a blast because this one was a lot of fun. All right, here we go. All right, Allie, thanks for doing this. Thanks for being on the show. I'm excited. I'm stoked to have you, so thank you. Oh, well, thank you for having me. I'm, I think I'm as stoked as you are. <laughs> Good. That's awesome. Um, well, listen, like I said it when we were off mic, and, and I just want to reiterate... Um, I've got some somebody working for me who does a lot of research and helps me out with this podcast. And, um, you know, she's all business and she just gets things done and she's very efficient, but rarely does she ever say anything, any editorial about someone I'm going to be interviewing. But this one, she's like, I can't wait. Allie Aww. seems great. She seems really cool. I'm so, so excited. Yeah. So she's going to, you know, she has to listen to this several like, times wait, to do some that's stuff. pressure. Like, yeah. Oh, no. Am I, am I as cool as she thinks she don't is? Don't let as, Angela as, uh, down, <laughs> Allie. I will hold you I personally you, responsible. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You will have to answer for it. Um, no, but thanks for doing this. I, I did dive into you and, and read about you and kind of get kind of understand who you were a little bit. I, nothing I hate worse than listening to a podcast where the person clearly doesn't know who they were going to talk to five minutes before they hopped on the air. So um, this is good. It really depends on how well you play it off. <laughs> that's true. That's it's maybe I don't know anything about you, and I'm just going to make it look good. <laughs> But listen, I, I, there was one thing that really sticks out, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dig into it when we get there. But Ooh. for our listeners who haven't done research on you and don't know who you are and can't identify with a person they just met, tell us a little bit about yourself. How did, where did you start like your professional career? And maybe before that, if your family growing up was, was um, something that you want to talk about, but uh, where did, how did you get started, basically? Uh, well, it all started. Uh, so I actually grew up in Georgia. I was born in Florida, but I grew up in Georgia and I grew up with fantastic parents. Um, very, you know, I was fortunate in that they were financially very savvy, but 
they're also a very different kind of financial savvy. Like my dad's not the big risk taker. He's kind of the, you know, save every penny frugal, you know, that, you know, financial educated that direction. Um, So that kind of plays into my story later of, you know, I kind of had to get out of that. Um, So, you know, grew up great family and I grew up very much with the mindset of go to school, get good grades, get a secure job, you know, wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. And so I did that. And I had started, my dad was a pilot, my brother was an airplane mechanic. And so I ended up being a pilot. And I thought I was going to go be a pilot, realized I didn't want to do that. So I switched over to aerospace engineering. (laughs) I thought at the time those were exactly the same thing. (laughs) They are not (laughs) at all, uh, turns out. But I went through, got a master's degree doing that for the, the exact reason being, get that secure job, you know, get all the school, all the stuff we're all taught. Yeah. So I did that, and uh, kind of my famous story is I landed what people would kind of perceive to be the dream job. So, you know, I get in my business casual outfit, and I come strutting into my very first cubicle, and I turn the corner into the cubicle, and I'll never get this image out of my head. And I turned in there, and I was like, uh-oh. Like, I knew. I knew I was going to hate this. This was not my thing. Not a cubicle. Through grad school, I was a flight instructor, so my office was the sky, you know, adventurous and all this kind of stuff. And here I turned this corner into this underground gray cubicle, and I looked at my outfit, and I looked at the cubicle, and I was like, I got to get out of here. Like, after eight, nine years of school or something, I didn't even sit down before I figured this out. Wow. So, uh, I knew I wanted out of corporate. I kind of always knew I didn't want to work for somebody else, but... I, you know, I had a lot of skills at that point, but not something necessarily to replace a full-time job. And so at that point it was like, how am I going to do this? So I spent the next five years trying to figure that out. And I had no starting point. I just started grabbing every book I could find and I kind of whittled it down to, is either going to have to start a business or do something real estate investing. That's kind of what the general Mm -hmm. idea was. Long story short, we can dive into details later, but I accidentally kind of got into real estate investing and really it started because I started investing for myself Hmm. and I wasn't seeing that what I was doing as the ticket out of corporate, but I was like, well, while I still have a W-2, you know, I have income. I don't know what's going to happen when I leave corporate. Let me start investing, do something smart with my money. And through all the connections I made doing that, you know, I started writing about it online and one thing kind of led to another and it ended up being my ticket out of corporate and I started my own company. I worked primarily of turnkey rental properties. Um, like I said, we can kind of dive into details about that later, but that I left corporate in 2012. So I'm kind of eight, nine years at this point, gone rogue, if you want to call it that. It's been adventurous, you know, for any entrepreneur out there, you know the roller coaster. It's a whole different set of stress, but for me, it's been so worth it because I am my own boss and I get yeah. to set my schedule and lifestyle design is huge for me, like huge is pretty much all I care about. Yeah. So that's kind of, you know, obviously there's a lot of details in that story I left out, but that's kind of the gist of. So let me ask you, when you were in corporate, you before you sat down, you looked at how you were dressed, you looked at where you had to spend eight hours of your day. <laughs> I'm and you realized not a you business it. casual type. Like, yeah. Did you, uh, <laughs> at any point during the time that you were there, did you ever say, this isn't so bad. I could actually stay and do this. Or did it, did you hate it as much? Were you right? Yeah, I, I was right the whole time. The only yeah. thing that did happen in the middle of that is, so I was in Georgia at the time when I got this job and I was there for, I guess, three years total, but somewhere in there. Um, and I kept trying to actually make it work for me. Like I remember going to my manager saying, Hey, you know, I would love a product. You know, I was trying to make it be something that was me. Like, 
if you ask me to make a spreadsheet, stand back. I love a good spreadsheet. I love a good PowerPoint presentation. You know, like yeah. I was trying to find yeah. things that would kind of make it work. Um, and it was a great experience the whole time. But w at one point, I was so bored at this job that I looked up uh, open job recs through the same company. And I found one in California, which you can kind of guess where this story goes because I'm sitting here in California as we speak. Yeah. Um, it, it was this, um, the description of this job was much more like me. It was like, have to be prepared for outdoors. You'll get suited with, you know, cold weather gear, have to be able to lift 40 pounds, have to be able to work weird hours. And I was like, now that sounds exciting. Yeah. I was like, versus like a cubicle and whatever. So yeah. I put in for it, not thinking anything would come of it. And they hired me. They flew me out to California, interviewed me, hired me. And I never in a million years thought I was going to be moving to California, but I was like, the decision I needed to make was like, if I'm going to leave corporate, I need to be able to say I actually tried. Because yeah. if I only base that decision off of one position, one cubicle, one business casual outfit, yeah. you know, I'd maybe whatever. So I knew that if I took this job and it was much more my style and then I still hated it, it was kind of like permission to myself of like, hey, you tried everything. Yeah, so I can one... officially say I'm tried. Yeah, no. It, when you say one business casual outfit, you changed clothes during those five years you were there, right? I honestly only had maybe four outfits <laughs> like <laughs> fashion that's a whole other podcast episode yeah it works um, i've for... even been on a makeover show like there's proof that's in the pudding hilarious. that me and fashion are bad my business casual outfits i probably like literally probably had four different shirts i could pick from and four, di four different pants and i would kind of change them out but they weren't cute clothes like yeah. hideous <laughs> like the least flattering polo well, listen, shirt you can imagine like ugh. super listen it's good enough superman wonder woman they all wear the same thing all the See? time right so i mean it's really are you changing your underwear that's really all that <laughs> exactly <laughs> and let's be honest the job is so boring it's not like i was sweating in my clothes <laughs> like sweating it's out hilarious. of boredom i love but, that you, know, you by got... the time i ended up i i really was working what could have been the dream job. I was working as a top secret flight test engineer. Like oh, I was wow. going to top secret places. I was doing the coolest of the cool and it really was a dream job. Yeah. It just wasn't my dream job. But because of, you know, how exciting that job was, I know for certain it just wasn't me because yeah. if that's not me, right. none of it's going to be. Yeah. Optimal situation isn't good. Yeah. So I, what I want to ask you about, you didn't mention Still it yet. Still laughing about the clothes. I, I, what I want to ask you about that, you didn't mention just now, but it's in my notes and something I found, um, that you have a degree in spiritual psychology. Is that true? Okay. Explain to, explain to me how a person can at one time have an aerospace engineering degree and a spiritual psychology <laughs> How do you work both of those sides of the brain? That cannot be the same side of your brain that's working. Oh, it's, I mean, we're talking like <laughs> full, like one end of the spectrum to the other. Right. And it's funny because I actually only ended up getting that degree. I only started that degree. So I got my master's in aerospace engineering, went and did that whole corporate nonsense, moved to, Cal you know, hello, I moved to California. Of course I have to get a degree in spiritual <laughs> exactly. psychology. Exactly. Like, here we go. At the door, they, um, they ask for it, I think. <laughs> yeah. Like, are you approved? Um, <laughs> Honestly, one of the only reasons I started that program, I knew some people who had done it, and I was like, well, that sounds interesting. But I honestly only kind of committed to it because, for the sole reason, I thought it would be hilarious to tell people I had a master's in aerospace engineering and a master's in spiritual psychology. That is awesome. But it turned out, once I got into it, more than any other degree I have, more than any other experience, that degree, it's a, it was an experiential program. So it's not like, you know, book work for two years or whatever. I mean, it was very, like, hands-on 
that has been the biggest game changer of my life. And it's interesting now because something like spiritual, and it's not religious, it's, you know, it's, and it's not that kind of stuff. Um, it's psychology, mm-hmm. really. And what's cool about that is that pertains to every aspect of my life, including business. So yeah. business decisions, you know, I hired a contractor recently that more or less has been kind of screwing me over, but it's it's the spiritual psychology. You only principles. have to say you hired a contractor. You don't have, I, I did the, I did the math like, on the back end. I know <laughs> yeah, what happened. Like, wait, as opposed to what? Exactly. <laughs> and, and, you know, it was like, um, you know, I can apply those principles to that situation, yeah. you know, so it's, it's really interesting because like with the engineering, that is very much the left side of the brain. And I was all left side. I was epically left brained. I'm a pi- I was a pilot, an engineer. Like I knew how to do math. I did not know how to talk about a feeling like yeah. right side of the brain was a mystery to me. And, you know, and the left side got me pretty far, but it's really been bringing in kind of the right side of the brain and tying those two together. That is incredibly stressful when you're not used to knowing how to do that but it it changes everything like yeah so it it was kind of funny i kind of got in for ridiculous reasons but it ended up (laughs) phenomenal and it is still kind of funny to tell people like it's very like it's very funny but it's also in all seriousness it's super unusual that someone who's so left-brained can also function right brain side because i know people who are very left-brained and very right-brained and they have a very hard time seeing things the same or even having anything to talk about because it's just so different so well and it's it's been a learning curve like i mean for the last however many years it's and it's not just that degree you know i had kind of i mean hello i I moved to california you gotta be some kind of hippie (laughs) like i don't know if you can be in california without some part of your right brain shameful (laughs) yeah is it it shameful to be left-brained in california oh my god she only does math exactly (laughs) like does she eat gluten too Uh. (laughs) um Yes, I do. Um, but, you know, it's it's a it's a practice. Like, I'm still not very good at it. And what's been interesting to watch is, like, I used to be so good at math, for example, and I'm not as good at math now. Like, I had to do some simple math the other day, and I had to use my stupid calculator, and I was like, Your right oh, brain so is eating your left brain. What's happening? It is. And I don't know what when it's doing that. I don't know what's happening. I'm like, wait, but it's not math. <laughs> and yeah. It is a learning uh, experience. And I know, like, um, so my master's degree in aerospace engineering, my mother hates if I tell people this, but I actually failed out of it before I uh, got it. And I was only two classes in research shy, so I basically annoyed the school until they let me back in. I was like, no, I don't think you understand. We're, we're going to finish this. But what was interesting, something like aerospace engineering, you know, if anyone watches the Big Bang Theory, that is not an exaggeration with Sheldon and all those guys. That is 100% how most of the people in those programs are and so here I am looking around and I was like trying to be friendly and trying to be nice I'm like hey how are you and they're like (laughs) (laughs) and and when I left my corporate engineering job I put my two-week notice in and people are like where are you going because this was the dream job nobody leaves and I was like yeah real estate (laughs) they're like who leaves here for real estate and they're like oh no wait actually that makes sense because they're all trying to do their work and introverted and I'm like hey what'd you do this weekend? Hey, want to go get lunch? Hey, <laughs> trying to talk to everyone. And they're like, trying to work here. That's funny. <laughs> and yeah. So I think, you know, I already had it in me where I wasn't, you know, I was, I, I did not get through that master's degree gracefully. And I mean, it's basically rocket science and I'm not, I'm not that smart, honestly. <laughs> and the way I was kind of able to do it was more from a big picture perspective. Whereas like those freakishly left brain people. I So I tell people I actually failed out of there because I had too much common sense. Like, <laughs> you know, I could pick right or left and they can't. Um, so yeah, like I've never been on one extreme or the other. So I've kind of had pieces of both, but still, you know, integrating the two and kind of waking that right brain up is 
weird for someone who does math. Yeah, totally. And something tells me you're, you know, not very smart. I'm doing air quotes. Not very smart is smarter than a lot of people. So don't, ins- I, I'm it, so bad at math. It, it's <laughs> insulting for me to tell, for you to tell me you're not smart. Well, I've, in the last few years since my right brain woke up, I feel less smart. I will, I will say that. Like, That's so <laughs> like, funny. I used to be able to do math equations like this long. I remember one time, so I went into that master's program. And the problem with that master's program in aerospace engineering is I didn't have an aerospace engineering undergrad. So I walked, I was like, I don't know what's happening. <laughs> and I'll never forget, like, they, this, I was in an engines class because I started in engines. And this guy wrote out this calculus equation like this long, actually longer, but my screen only goes so far. And it was explaining <laughs> some dynamic with air getting sucked into an engine. And all of a sudden he starts changing it. On revision 37, I was like, I don't, oh God, I did not, like, that midterm, I studied more than any test I'd ever studied in my life, and I got a 27 on it. That's so <laughs> was like, funny. Oh, it was so bad, so I switched out of engines, That's but so yeah, it's, <laughs> I used to feel very smart, because I could do all that math, but, you know, now I just try and redefine smart, like, it doesn't have to be math. That's true, that's true, my, uh, my son is a um, computer engineer at U of M, and uh-huh. he, we got a whiteboard for him for his room on like an easel because he likes to like jot notes as he's like doing work and yeah. homework and stuff. I swear to you, you mentioned Sheldon. It is exactly like going and looking yeah. at one of Sheldon's whiteboards. It's symbols I've never seen. So I brought yeah. I brought my <laughs> my oldest daughter and I'm like, you got to see this whiteboard. And she's looking at it. And she's like, what? What is what is it even doing? Like, what's he trying to do here? And I said, as far as I know, that could be a recipe for baked chicken. I have no clue what he wrote on there. And my is. and my wife is a science teacher, and she's like, I think that's the symbol for time. And I said, is he solving time travel, my little boy? It's so exciting! Like, I have no clue. It, it totally right off the Big Bang Theory. His whiteboard is awesome. I found I recently found a whole folder of like old files of mine and in it I had taken a picture so one of my last math classes of that master's program you could have a cheat sheet well I was so bad at it and I had to like, hire a tutor like the whole thing so this cheat sheet is graph paper and it's on both sides and it was so re- I mean it almost looks like a work of art because none of it looks <laughs> like it's in English so I had take I had scanned it for you know I figured later in life it'd be kind of fun to go back to it yeah I looked at this thing and I was like I don't even know what any of it means. I mean, I guess I finished that master's like, what, 12 years ago or something? But like, that's funny. I have I, that, how I, I would never be able to do that today. Like, it's interesting how our brains can evolve. Like, yeah. what I could do 15 years ago. Yep. You know, but now I can do stuff. You know, I can like have a feeling and stuff. So, <laughs> talk that's about super it. Helpful. Yeah, exactly. Super helpful in real estate. You should yeah. definitely have lots of feelings. Oh, tons of feelings. Yeah. That makes yeah. you super rich. Especially when you're a girl in real estate, it goes over really well. <laughs> Um, it's so funny. I was thinking that you, you mentioned being a girl in real estate. I was thinking your engineering classes and that whole, was that mostly men or was there? All was dudes. It, okay. I figured it was all dudes. dudes so. Well, it's kind of funny because I was, I was watching, you know, when I was a pilot first, mostly dudes, like a couple chicks here and there. And then the master's program, there were definitely girls, but I mean, it had to have been 75% guys or something. And the first time I was actually ever around that many women was when I got hired on to my corporate job. Because in that, you know, there were actually a lot of female engineers, which was impressive. But then you also have everyone else involved with corporate, like finances and account managers and HR. You know, so all of a sudden, it was honestly the first time in my life I had been around that many women. Like I had never really done anything with that many females yeah. in a workplace. And I, I remember looking around thinking, 
huh, I mean, it's cool, but weird. Wait, what? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, I've just always worked around guys, and so, you know, getting into real estate and stuff, never fail. Like, I've never been... Yeah. To me, it's weird when it's not all guys, just because yeah. that's most of what my experience... Now, going to a master's degree for spiritual psychology, however, oh, man. Like, there... I mean, of our class was maybe... 250 people I mean there couldn't have been more than 20 guys or something like so I went not only the opposite ends of the spectrum but all of a sudden it was all females and I was like I definitely don't know what to do now yeah you're definitely (laughs) stretching your brain in all kinds of ways wow major extremes that's that's awesome Mm -hmm. so you're doing you're you're doing real estate obviously now you're doing turnkey stuff are, are you in California doing it? You're doing it out of state? Mm-hmm. Okay, right in California. Uh, well, I live in California, but pretty much everything I do is out of state. Okay. So I just work online. I'm in Venice Beach um, okay. with, amidst all the crazy people, and cool. I just work with. I like I have a rental property for myself here in California that yeah. I landlord. It goes against everything I've ever preached about investing in real, rental properties, but everything else I work with is all out of state because I deal with cash flow. Yeah. Not, not all people in Venice Beach are crazy, by the way. So don't, don't, uh, don't even, okay, they're all crazy. I agree. <laughs> well, I, mean, I was being nice. <laughs> I mean, there's, there might be a couple of normal ones here. I love it here because you honestly can't tell the difference between the millionaires and the homeless people. Everyone dresses the same. So like, it really worked for my fashion That's uh, issues. <laughs> so let's, well, first of all, where are you investing? Where do you mostly invest? What, what state are we talking Well, so I'm not personally investing right this second. Okay. Um, when I started though, uh, I, well, Actually, my first investment was in Nicaragua, the third world country. And when that went belly up, as one might expect it would, uh, my next round, what really kicked off was uh, I was getting properties in Atlanta, which it happened to be. So this was 2011. And it happened to be that Atlanta was the big booming market then in the middle of the crash. And I happened to be there. That's kind of what prompted me. I wasn't planning to do, you know, rental properties or even turnkeys or whatever. Yeah. But when I heard Atlanta's the next big market and you can get a great two-story house fully rehabbed for $55,000, which was my first one, I was like, hmm, that'd be kind of crazy not to do that. So that's what kicked it off. And um, so I, I did Atlanta mostly. And then like uh, my most recent property was this uh, local property to me in Venice Beach, which was overpriced, negative cash flow and top of the market, you know, like everything that I tell people not to do. Um, but it's a long-term, you know, my plan is to die there eventually. You know, it's my long-term house. That's lovely, That's lovely <laughs> so, Allie. <laughs> I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, I'm pregnant. My, my, my plan, if everything goes well, I hope to die there. <laughs> I hope to, because otherwise it's not maybe a very good investment. <laughs> That's hilarious. So just out of curiosity, when you got started, uh, your first Maybe not the Nicaragua. Well, the Nicaragua one. That's fine. How did you fund it? Was it just you, like savings from your aerospace engineering job and stuff? You put together money, or did you have to raise money? Yeah, for the most part, uh, Nicaragua was my money. Plus, they were offering seller financing. It was a pre-construction development. It was a big one, like Jack Nicholas golf courses, Wyndham hotels. Like oh, this wow. was a this was not some random, you know, little podunky kind of deal. Uh, but there was seller financing options. How do you uh, find the developer? People are having a hard time finding deals in the United States. How did you find it, Nicaragua? And how did that? How did that come on your plate? I think realty for this because at the time when I was, you know, trying to find my way out of corporate, I had subscribed to every newsletter on the planet because I didn't know what was going to get me out, but I followed everything. Yeah. And I had actually decided, I was like, well, I'm going to start a business because I don't know about this real estate stuff, like whatever. And so I decided to go that route and all of a sudden think realty, which I've been subscribed to for eons, which probably most people are. Um, there was a webinar, um, 
advertising these properties. So I was like, well, that sounds like the scam of the century. I'll watch this. <laughs> exactly. So I watched the webinar and I was like, well, that sounds pretty legit. Surely it's a scam. But I was so interested because uh, the starting price for a beachfront bungalow in Nicaragua was $99,000. And that's expensive for Nicaragua yeah. versus I had been looking at rental properties in Orange County that were like 300000 and they were totally trashed. Yeah. And so I was like, well, $99,000. You know, there were little hooks that kind of got me. And so I said, well, send me more. And I love doing anything that'll make people look at me weird. Like, of course I should go buy property in a third world country, yeah. like, obviously. Yeah. And in pre-construction nonetheless. Mm. And so, you know, I watched the webinar and I was like, well, I kind of like it. Like, well, that's affordable. You know, like, I don't remember what percent down. I guess it was like 30% down with seller financing. You know, total price is 99000 I was like, tell me more. And so, you know, I had them send me the contract. I go and meet one of the guys and I was like, I'm going to prove this guy's a scam. Like, watch me. Like, this yeah. is going to be fun for me. Yeah. And he answered it. I was like, it's not a scam. Well, what now what do I do if it's not a scam? <laughs> and exactly. so, and it really wasn't at the time. It sounds like it because it turned into a dumpster fire. But uh, yeah, that's kind of how that's it. So I blame Think Realty. They tell you about all of the good stuff coming. <laughs> exactly. Actually, I shouldn't say that from like a legal liability. Like Think Realty had nothing. No, to do you with you made the comment. It, just, it sticks. It's yeah, there. It's uh, you can't. You no, I know no the take Think backs. Realty. I'm sorry, guys. That's not what I meant. <laughs> don't worry. It's my show that's going to get sued. It don't. It's not you. All right, so tell me and about- I think Realty is phenomenal. You should absolutely be subscribed to them. Except for their subscribed. huge Nicaragua scams. Other than that, they're great. <laughs> oh, um, I'm like, oh God, sorry. <laughs> sorry, Eddie. That's Allie, A-L-I, no, I'm just kidding. Um, so oh tell gosh, me- my signal seems to be going out. <laughs> exactly, we lost Allie. Um, so tell me about the turnkey stuff. Why turnkey? Why not just dive into flips? Those can be disastrous. It sounds like it's up your alley. Why would you not flip houses? I can tell you, I do like a disaster that does not require that much work. Ah. So like, I mean, that was really the holdup, you know, so I, like I said, I had just kind of coincidentally gone to look at all these Orange County properties and these weren't going to be flips necessarily, but they were going to be, I was gonna have to rehab them, make them rental properties, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And, you know, I can honestly say that I think the thing that kept me out of real estate for as long as it did is, you know, we already talked about it. I'm smart. I could probably figure out how to rehab a property. I could probably figure out flipping. I could probably figure out all of those components. But honestly, none of that interests me. It yeah. never has. And I'm not good at it. Like we've, again, contractors and I'm not handy. So it's not like I can do the work myself. And so, you know, for me to get out of corporate, it, it was like, I wanted to be my own boss. I didn't want to have another job, like yeah. hands-on type of whatever. And so I was never opposed to going the flipping route or the whatever route you wanted to do it, but it just kind of like nothing really grabbed me. But all of a sudden when I hear this turnkey thing, I was like, well, wait a minute. So I can buy rental properties and do next to zero work. Like over the years I've learned, you know, there are certain things that you need to be willing to do, but sure. for the most part, someone else is doing all of that crap that I don't want to do. And I was like, tell me more. <laughs> and that's what, you know, that's what finally latched it on was that ability for me to invest without doing all of that stuff that yeah. I, for me, it'd be swimming upstream. Like yeah. it's swimming upstream. It's, I don't want to be doing it. I don't like, it. I want to go sit at the beach. It's my whole point in being my own boss is I want to go sit at the beach. We just had an 80 degree uh, weekend in LA and I went to the beach. Yeah. So, you know, I want to have that freedom. I don't want to be, I just like, I can manage contractors. I can be good at it, but I hate it. Yeah. So, you know, and I don't even think I knew at the time that that's exactly what was keeping me out, but it was absolutely what was keeping me out. Totally. So tell me about this, because I did turnkey for a while, and here's what turned, oh. for me personally, here's what didn't um, appeal to me so much. 
Right when you said, I'm like, I can, I bet it's going to be one of three things. Well, <laughs> uh, here, here's the part that I dislike the most. And I love the yeah. strategy. I mean, I think it's a fantastic strategy. There, there was a lot of things that contributed to me going away from that. It wasn't just this. But one of the things that was not as fun for me was I could find the house. I could get it renovated to the point that it needs to be. I could put renters in there, put management in place. Finding the buyers was kind of a pain in the butt for me. Mm -hmm. and, and the thing is, is I invest in Michigan. And Michigan has prices similar to what you're talking about. To people yeah. in California, they think they think it's a scam because it's so cheap. You know, buying yeah. a, a rental property for, you know, fully renovated with a renter for 45000 that rents for 900 to to 1000 or 1200 bucks. It's like, uh -huh. no. <laughs> but it was a it was a lot of effort trying to find people to to come in. I just didn't like that sales part of it, the back end sales yeah. with it with the buyers. I just it was just a pain in the butt. And frankly, the way I did it, I was with a partner. There's a million things that went wrong and things that I didn't do well. But one of them was is we were targeting people from outside the country also, which made it a little bit yeah. tricky. Um, what year was this? Like 2000. 11 12 in there so it was so you were doing it literally right in the heyday of turnkeys when it was yeah. like chaos galore because yeah. of those prices and oh the internationals were swoop i mean everything can i cuss on here it was a you total shit show yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. absolute shit show on ev for everybody because every you know again get a brand new basically a brand new house for fifty five thousand dollars every yeah. you know like Oh, I could tell stories about the 2011, 2012 era. So I 100% believe everything you're saying because that is exactly when all the internationals were just going yeah. bananas. And they were unfortunately getting screwed by yes. a lot of turnkey well, providers. Too. I'm also in the Detroit metro area. Oh, yeah, boy, that wouldn't work. That was so. <laughs> that's, that's when everyone got a sour taste about well, Detroit. Well, listen. like, and I'm out. Oh, believe me, there was a sour taste long before that, but it didn't help. <laughs> but, but here's what happened people, like, outside the country, like, I'm from the area. So I was. I was buying them in Detroit and then I was like, you know what? I don't like buying in Detroit. This is not fun. Yeah. This is volatile. I don't like it. But the problem was all the outside investors, including California, but certainly the out of uh, country ones, all they knew was Detroit in Michigan at yeah. least. Like that's all they knew. It's like, I want to buy a house in Michigan. It has to be Detroit. Yeah. And I'd go, listen guys, there's suburbs around Detroit that are stable, that are safe, that produce yeah. better cash flow, and the houses are just as cheap. And they're like, nah, Detroit. I was like, oh, you've got to be kidding me. That's when I got out. I'm yeah. like, I can't do these guys a favor. And believe me, they were getting scammed. People were, Oh. I, yeah. I was getting contracted by outside investors who I didn't have a house. They were hiring me to go verify that something was actually happening in the house they bought. Yeah. And I had to send them heartbreaking pictures of houses that oh. were not being touched that they oh, had already, it hurts they, me in the soul. they had already wired $40,000. <laughs> and it's like, this is this house is worth five thousand, and it's in a crime zone. Yeah. Like, anyways, it was really bad. I didn't well, like it. You know it. the sad thing about yeah. what you're saying is like you were, you know, and that's honestly what happened with so many of the uh, international investors yeah. is, and I never. I don't want anyone to take this that I condone turnkey providers screwing them over. Hundred, sure. no, absolutely not. However, when you buy a turnkey, people hear hands off. They're like, oh, all the work's done, so they assume they don't have to do any due diligence. And that was yeah. especially a prominent issue with the international investors. So just like you said, mm -hmm. they'd write the check for forty-five thousand dollars, mail it off, never check a thing. So it opened up this door for those who were. I mean, I won't say posing as turnkey providers because they were actually doing it, but like they weren't doing the work because they didn't have to because nothing was getting verified. Right. And that's what that whole dynamic it doesn't real. I don't know if it really happening today, but because of that feeding frenzy that was going on then, yep. what really sucks and is heartbreaking about your story is as someone who helps the buyers and tries to get them good properties, I would give 
anything to work with a quality provider like you. Like, if you were to offer that stuff today, I'd be sending everyone, like, dear God, yes, tell them about non-Detroit. You yeah. know, that that is such a huge offering. Yeah. But, again, because it was so fast and so, I think the marketing with Turnkeys was wrong and I'm one of the culprits because I have a turnkeys ebook that calls them hands-off rental properties but I realized later down the road that that messaging let people be way too hands-off and so that whole dynamic opened up which sucks because it hurt the turnkey name it hurt people yeah you know people lost money but it's like how do we how do we break this down and fix it whereas if they had listened to someone like you none of that would have happened but they were so you know just like let me write the check yeah yeah. And it hurt all, I mean, everyone in that equation gets hurt, yep. everybody. Yep, there were some crazy stories that came out of that. But tell me about Hipster Investments. What is that? What does that provide to folks? So uh, for the most part, we're a referral system. So really where Hipster came, I'm not even a hipster, hippie maybe, but not even a hipster. But where Hipster <laughs> came out of was when I started buying all the turnkeys, everyone, I was so stinking excited about them. Everyone was like, what are you buying? Because a lot of people had the same holdup. They didn't want, they either didn't want to swing hammers or flip houses, or they had a full-time job and a family. They didn't have time to do it. And they're like, yeah. wait tell us more about what this turnkey, like, what are you buying? And so people started, I started sending them to the companies that I worked with and who I, and I was just like, look, I'm just going to tell you who I've bought through, who I like, take it or leave it. I'm not here trying to convince you of anything. That picked up steam. You know, my cousin bought a property. My mom's friend bought a property. It picked up so much steam. I started writing about it. And that's when Bigger Pockets picked me up as a writer. Mm -hmm. And so now all of a sudden I was on a platform like Bigger Pockets writing about turnkeys, whatever. So all of a sudden everybody was asking me, like, who do who do I buy through? What do you recommend? Da 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 da. And that's what that's what the company became. And that's that was my ticket out of corporate because I ended up basically kind of being like a concierge service for turnkeys if you will not even meaning to yeah and so i used to call hipster like a glorified matchmaker like you know i'm i'll my premise was i will only refer you to companies that i've either bought through myself personally or that i for some reason trust so much that i would send my mother there and it was funny i said that for years and i had one client just dead serious and he goes can i just confirm how you feel about your mother and i was like <laughs> Fair question. Like, yeah. Oh, need, I get that. Yeah, let's qualify <laughs> For the this. record, I really like my mom. So, <laughs> and, um, but you know, over the years, the one thing that um, so I'm I'm super honored to be able to refer people. I I try and connect them to the companies, whatever. But the most important part for me that has really evolved is I stay on with them as support for them. Hmm. And so my title at some point I changed it from uh, glorified matchmaker to emotional support dog, because a lot of people <laughs> buying turnkeys have never been in real estate. They're yeah. terrified. They're about to drop 30 grand, get a loan on this property in another state. You know, yeah. like things like they heard about the Detroit drama or the international investor drama. And they're like, oh my God, how do I not become that person? And mm-hmm. so I stay on literally as their emotional support dog. If they have a freak out, if they have a challenge, if they have a question, um, you know, so mm-hmm. I try and stay on as like that neutral party. And that's the part that's most rewarding for me is it's one thing if I just introduce you to turnkey providers I like, but to be able to help you get that first property and help you build confidence, yeah. hopefully that's what happens. Um, you know, that's where I, I get really rewarded personally. That's awesome. Do you, are you still like, how do you vet them? If you're not like actively like going out and trying to find and and for yourself, do Mm -hmm. you still vet new ones or you just stick with what you have? And that's who you always refer to. 
Yeah, you know, it's been interesting since 2020. I've not really been able to travel out uh, quite as much as, you know, I might have in the past. Um, kind of two different ways that I vet them. I'm not as, like, there are other, I'm considered a turnkey marketing company. Um, there are other turnkey marketing companies that are much more technical than I am. I'm not, a, I'm funny because I was the engineer. I'm not the technical person. Um, so my vetting process is not as technical as some, but how I work with that is kind of in two ways. Number one, I always say I work with people smarter than me. I work with professionals who are professional vetters. You yeah. know, they're market experts, they are turnkey experts, and based on their recommendations, and then, you know, I end up meeting the provider myself. Like, I really piggyback off of other people's expertise, and that's yeah. not, you know, an excuse to say, like, oh, well, listen to that person. It'll be fine. You know, like, I know these people. Yeah. Um, so I really, you know, I don't want to go get crazy amounts of market analysis so I wait until they present it I analyze it see how I feel about it myself yep. and then you know say yay or nay and then um, there's a few providers that I work with outside of those experts and for them um, you know it's going to sound terrible but so much of it for me is uh, communication um, I, I have seen such a correlation this is for turnkey providers and property managers when the communication is absolutely 100% on par which is not most of the time mm -hmm. um, things are good things happen you know I really trust them and um, so the ones outside of the experts it's either just my own communication with them like there's a provider in Chicago I work with right now I could not possibly be more excited about working with any per I love talking to this guy and you know the feedback I've gotten from clients when they meet him they're like oh yeah he's great for these reasons you know it's that yeah you know feedback and then some of the other providers some of the other marketing companies work with there's just some that just have a known reputation and I like what they offer yeah. so it's you know again my vetting process isn't as technical what's it's a little more on the spiritual psychology <laughs> well we we know that it your left brain be has been getting eaten by your right brain so yeah um, i can't do more spreadsheets um <laughs> that's not true at all i love spreadsheets um but yeah so it's you know it's it's having been in turnkey world as long as i have i i kind of know what i'm working with and who yeah. i'm talking to and you know i can tell pretty quickly like how a provider communicates because i've worked with the entire game i know that like they can't fool me yeah. <laughs> i'm like yeah, I know how this is going to end. Like, I just, yeah. I know, and, you know, I won't work with those people. And, you know, at the end of the day, even more important than the providers I vet is I really, and this is where I went wrong as a turnkey provider or uh, buyer, is I wasn't doing the thorough due diligence that I should have because yeah. I didn't know. You don't know what you don't know. And over right. the years, it's like, oh, okay, yeah, I should have done that. So I've had all these years to figure out, like, what should people be checking up on? Because if I introduce you to a turnkey provider, ultimately it's on you. I'm not your legal representative. It's not a, you know, yeah. whatever. I'm just like, hey, I'm pretty sure they're good and I like them. Yeah. But you've got to do all that verification. So, you know, back to that part that's rewarding for me is like I can help you do your own due diligence and tell you the things to look for yeah. that maybe you don't know. And so you, the buyer, should engage the provider 100% yourself, but hopefully, you know, me giving you to them is like a stepping stone to, that way you're not starting from like absolute ground zero. Yeah, that makes that makes sense. That's awesome. It's a cool service too, because I wasn't, okay, now I totally get it now. Um, and I think that's a great service because you're right, a lot of people who are buying turnkeys just don't know First of all, they don't know what they don't know, like you said, yeah. but they're really scared. They don't know. It's so, yeah. they're so easy to be taken advantage of. That's the problem, uh, right? That's why well, it happens like I said, so much. You know, that's why all the, I, just about every turnkey buyer that I, that has gotten scammed. I hate to use that word. Cause it's, you know, I, it, it's, 
sketchy. Everyone that, when there's been companies that have provided notoriously bad experiences, we'll call it that, mm -hmm. um, unfortunately, yeah, it sucks they do that. I don't condone that. It's not cool. It hurts all of us. However, again, it's on the buyer. Yeah. Like it is your responsibility as an investor to do your due diligence on that property. But just like you said, we don't know what we don't know. I didn't know everything that I should have been checking on. And yeah. to this day, I still kind of like, oh, maybe I should have people, you know, like, right. so it's, uh, you know, how do we teach those things? And the cool thing about learning due diligence for a turnkey is that due diligence applies to every other strategy you could possibly mm -hmm. go into. So it's like, if you buy a turnkey, it doesn't mean you have to be a turnkey investor for the rest of your life. If you want to be a flipper, cool, but turnkeys are a really unique experience to get the fundamentals. Yeah. Learn how to run numbers, learn how to sustain the numbers, learn how to what you're looking for and learn how to do due diligence. Those things will literally change your fate for every other strategy. Yeah. And you know, that way you're not having to rehab a house at the same time you're learning all of those exactly. basic things. Yeah. So, you know, that's the due diligence component because I've gotten screwed for not doing enough due diligence and that's what I've seen screw other people. That's, you know, that that I think can I mean, that changes everything. So that's yeah. what I really like to work with people on. And uh, I'm a free service, by the way. <laughs> like, I'm free for the buyer. Well, I was going to ask so, you that, but you're a free service. That sounds like a questionable business strategy. How do you manage to sit on the beach all no day long? So I actually get paid on the seller side. So okay. just like any real estate, yeah. uh, if you work with a real estate agent, they get paid a commission. I get paid a commission. Yeah. Uh, there is a false notion. If you don't work with me, you don't get the property cheaper. Like they literally sell the house at the exact same. So they're the ones losing my referral fee, not you. So it's yeah. not like you get it. So I'm literally a free service for people. And that's why yeah. I'd like, why would you not work with me? Right. There's no reason. You're you're an idiot if you don't work with Allie. That's what That's I always what say. I think. Can I get I've been saying that for later? years. I mean, like, <laughs> can I put that as like the cover of my website? Yeah, exactly. The tagline. <laughs> you're an <Mike>. idiot. Yeah. <laughs> According to Mike Simmons, who you don't know, you are an idiot. No judgment. No judgment. You're just an idiot. Um, so tell me about, you're an author. Uh, how did you come to write the book, not your how-to guide to real estate investing, uh, life lessons on hacking your mind before hacking your wallet? Um, I love that little book. I'm so excited about yeah, that book. Yeah, it's a cool, cool title, and it's a good-looking book. I think I, let's see. Oh, I have a copy. Just happen to have one. Just happen to have one sitting around. In exactly. Case, I know. don't know. In case someone... some people are visual people, they're like, I heard a title, exactly. but I don't know what that means. I don't believe she wrote um, a book until I see it. Yeah. So over the years, I had probably started like seven books. I'm I'm kind of one of those like shiny object people, like yeah. start a book, phew. And one of the reasons I never finished a book is because I knew I had no idea how to publish a book. Right. And so I knew like if I put all this time and effort into it, I didn't know what to do with it then. And it was kind of like swinging hammers. It wasn't really something I cared to learn. So I just kind of gave up. Yeah. And um, a couple years ago, I guess maybe two and a half years ago or something, uh, someone had kind of alerted me to different companies and services who can help you publish the book. And mm -hmm. so that mo I ended up not using them, but that motivated me. I was like, oh my God, I could actually get the book out. And so I did that. I wrote the book and then I started into the things like editing. And I, I hate that pro like oh. hate that process so over a couple of years it kind of fizzled out like I wanted to do it but it was such an uphill climb for me because it was you know it was hard <laughs> people are like don't yeah. you have a degree in engineering I'm like yeah but putting a book out is hard yeah. <laughs> and yes. um, so what really helped me finish it was quarantine in 2020 so the minute the gates came down and I couldn't leave the house and I was like 
So I guess now's the time to get back to that book. And I I was zooming on it. Like I was so excited about it. I was finishing it. And I'm, I'm actually glad for the two years because I ended up expanding a whole last mm. section of it that I hadn't previously done. Yeah. And I think that's kind of where, you know, a lot of the juice is. Um, so I spent most of quarantine trying to figure out how to put out a book. And, oh, man, it was humbling. It doesn't seem like it should be that hard, but once it was out, I, I've been so excited about it. Like, you know, I genuinely want to get that message out. Cause again, like I said, I care about people's experience and I care yeah. about them not getting burned in real estate. And what's the failure rate in real estate investing, like 95% or something. Um, and I feel like it's because if you Google how to be a real estate investor, you're just going to get slapped with all oh of these how to guides, which yeah. are great. However, you know, like, what do you hear? It's like, you should wholesale or you should flip. Well, should you? Like, you know, you can take all this time and like learn flipping and never, it just not be your thing or not be right. So the idea with this book was like to take a step back. Yes, I know we all want to get into the how-to guides, but like take the step back, pause and like really kind of look at, first of all, the industry as a whole, you know, it breaks down a lot about this industry is very unique. Like mm -hmm. what are those different characteristics? Because you need to know those because you're going to hit them. And yep. if you don't want them, you know, be ready for it. And then it's kind of like, you know, when you're thinking about strategies, you know, your strengths and weaknesses, different kind of concepts to really kind of be aware. So I kind of consider it like the prerequisite to the how-to guides, which hence the name, not your how-to guide. I was like, I'm going to be very clear about this from the beginning. I can already see a review saying, she didn't tell me how to flip a house. Ugh, one star. And I was <laughs> exactly. like, we're going to put this at the very beginning. So right. you have no excuse. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I love that. I love that. But one thing I did, it was concerning a little bit when what you just said is it sounds like your incredibly selfish need to learn how to publish manifested a pandemic on the whole world just so you could learn how to publish a book. How, what do you, how do you answer that charge? You know, I've always said, if you want something, you got to go for it. And you know, <laughs> it doesn't matter who it hurts, I, you know, whatever wake you leave behind you. Well, <laughs> and hello, how flattering to think that I have the power to create an entire worldwide pandemic. You have a spiritual degree. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you know what to do. I just wooed it in. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. No, I do like it. I love I love what's in the book. I, I can see the chapters and I have a note here and hopefully I'm not speaking out of turn that you offer, yeah. offer a, cre a free copy to the listeners. Is that do. true? I or? set up a link just for your yes, listeners. I have the link and I'm just, I, I didn't, I forgot to ask you before we hopped on. So I really put you on the spot is, do we get a free book here? Hell here. What's happening? <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm glad we do. Otherwise <laughs> this would be really awkward. <laughs> exactly. Thank God you said yes. <laughs> and it is a free digital copy. There is a link sure. on there. Yep. Uh, if you're like me and you have to hold a book physically, there's a link to the Amazon, Awesome. Uh, whatever. But yeah, free digital copy for everybody. Um, kind of my motivation with that is, um, number one, I would love a review in exchange. I'm a brand new author. You know, every review counts. But more than that, you know, if the information in there helps you, please share it with your friends and family. Like, I legitimately want to get the information out. It's yeah. not just about how many reviews I have or whatever. Like, I want the book to really, really help people. And if it can help five people, you know, avoid dumpster fires of real estate investment. Oh, that would have been a good tagline. <laughs> How to avoid dumpster fires of avoid real dumpster fires and real estate. But, well, note for my second book. Um, Great, another but, pandemic. Know, that's important to me. Fun. Yeah, I <laughs> I hate when people have a bad experience just because they don't know what they're doing. And yeah. this industry, more than that, we didn't learn it in school. Like we're all on our own to figure this big chaotic industry. And Total. it's not that crazy of an industry. But when you don't know what you don't know, it's 
huge and chaotic. You don't know who to listen to. Like there's so much going on that, you know, I really, I genuinely want to help people navigate that. So it's so important for me to, if it helps anybody, that's, that's what I really want. Yeah. And guys, I'll say this. Um, so I, I'm a new author too. I put out a book this year. I, I understand the work involved. It took me two years to write a book that probably should have taken three or four months um, because I hate <laughs> editing too. I hated it. Like when oh, I had to go back and worst. edit chapters, it was it was miserable. I didn't even get to read any books on my own last year because my brain was so fried yeah. from like, you know, I can't tell you how many times I had to read my book and read it backward, you mm-hmm. know, and, and I had professional editors and yep. man, there were still a lot of typos. Me too. Yes. And it's it, it was so mind numbing that I just now I'm back to reading books myself like oh geez <laughs> but, I, but I will say what I was going to get at is download the free digital copy for sure but if you love it like go to Amazon and order it so you can have that phys- and you can underline it awesome. and have it on your shelf you know it's nothing like that so definitely I, I, I recommend that folks do that for sure and thank you for offering a free digital download I appreciate and that just kind of a little um, kind of push for it is, you know, I, the subtitle says, uh, life lessons for hacking your mind before you hack your wallet. It's not just stuff pertinent to real estate investing. Like a lot of the concepts I wrote about, I purposely wrote them. So, you know, I happen to use real estate investing as the vehicle for explaining mm-hmm. them, but I use them in entrepreneurship and daily life and everything. So it really is stuff that, you know, even if you have somebody who's not directly related, you know, interest in real estate, there are some good, uh, things in there to that can apply across the board too. Yeah. So it's not, and I really tried to put some personality in it because that's the other thing with real estate investing books, like, yeah. oh, oh my God, like shoot me in the face, I like know. terrible and boring and whatever. And so I really, yeah. I, you know, I tried to use humor. I try, I gave real life stories in there, uh, all that kind of stuff. So yeah. hopefully, it, you know, I just wanted it to be a different kind of real estate book. I love it. I love it. Thanks for doing that. I, and before we, yeah. before we end here, I, I do want to uh, address this because I know it's what you're all about. You said it in the, be- in the beginning of the interview is lifestyle. What does yeah. your life look like now? What have you created? What What does your day or week look like generally? Are we including 2020 or? No, let's just say a typical <laughs> day or week. <laughs> um, you know, my, uh, and part of what I'm going to say too is actually frustrating for me. Um, I am such a free bird. Like I know two days of mine look the same. I don't even wake up at the same time every day. Um, one of my, uh, absolute favorite things in life is waking up when my body wants to wake up. I'm a night owl. Um, I think I went to bed at like two in the morning last night, a few nights ago, it was like four in the morning. Like I get, I can get so much work done at midnight. I might sleep in until, you know, 10 AM, but that's, part of lifestyle design. Like it is truly a joy of mine to not have to set an alarm clock. Um, so I wake up, you know, sometimes I just don't want to work right away and I'll watch an episode of my soap opera. Uh, I'm, you know, I do more work. I can schedule the gym when I want to go in normal times when we're not under like pandemic type of things. Um, I love to throw my skis in the car, go skiing. I can Hmm. work from anywhere so I can travel. Um, many times I've gone back to Atlanta and hung out for a week or two, just take my laptop. Um, it's really for me about the freedom and that's not going to be the case for everybody. You know, some people have a full-time job they love and a family of five and they just want more time to spend with their family or you know all of our priorities are different I'm a total gypsy independent you know free bird um so you know the other day it was hot out so I went out to the beach took a swim although the ocean was kind of cold um you know that's I mean I truly don't have two days the same which the frustrating part for me is I would probably accomplish a lot more if I was you know, more structured and scheduled, but that's what I, that's how I thrive is not having a schedule and just kind of doing things when I do them. 
the same. I, I'm the exact same way. I, I'm a night owl. I stay, I was up till one o'clock last night. I yeah. sleep in, um, I ease into my day. I just don't have the miracle morning working for me right now. <laughs> just, oh, it's not, it's no. not how I'm wired. Like but even I, if I woke up early, I would sit there like, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I worked in corporate for a lot of years too, and I was forced to get up early and it's just not, oh, how, I'm, it's not how I'm wired, but you're right. Not getting up to an alarm clock is perhaps my favorite thing of being like, yeah. financially free and having that freedom because my goodness there's nothing better than waking up when you're your the body only just person up. i've ever heard say that because i'm i'm kind of the one i'm like i like to sleep in and you know we we all grew up with like oh lazy and i'm like it, it <laughs> that's really, a great reaction like, a silent I, half shoulder shrug it's not even really acknowledging it it's just you awesome. do you exactly <laughs> yeah it's like i i get it but i can't i mean you're like i said you're probably the first person i know that can say yes to this is like the amount of joy involved in that I can't even tell you even if you are an early morning person like to not have an alarm for you like especially yeah. in the winter I'm not getting out of bed early it's cold out there like yeah. you know I yeah. just that joy and that's the kind of thing I've experienced with lifestyle design since I had it is I know before I had it I didn't understand or realize the true capacity for how much joy can actually come with that like yeah the little things being able to travel when I want if you know one of my parents is sick I can go whatever if a friend says hey do you want to go to lunch randomly on a two yes I do um yeah. you know I volunteer a good bit and some of the projects that I work on are weekend long things I don't have to ask for a vacation day on Friday I can go up Friday you know like the freedom that I've experienced from lifestyle design is I can't I don't even know if there's a way to describe it unless you have it but it is it is a level of happiness that I didn't know existed at all well that's motivation for everyone out who's in a cubicle listening to this and they want like, to do something like sorry <laughs> it's as good as you no i mean it's it's good you right can get like, out. <laughs> yeah it's as good as you imagine it really it really can be, so. and and then some like yeah. it's how i imagined it was pretty good but like it's so far and let's not be naive here like there's been so much stress that's come with it like as yep. an entrepreneurship oh man real estate investing dumpster fires you know like there's a whole level of stress but for me like my very first uh year out of corporate I, I told I used to tell people I was like I've never been more broke in my life which for a control freak was pretty humbling like it was yeah. devastating um no wonder I ended up in psychology school um <laughs> but I had also never been happier either yeah. like it was a level of stress I had never endured in a, in a way that I had never experienced it and it was scary because it's like I don't I've never not been able to pay my rent I don't know where my rent payment's coming from I don't know if I can buy groceries that was terrifying but at the exact same time I had truly never been happier and yeah. so you know let's not sugarcoat this there's a lot that comes with it but I wouldn't trade it for the well ask me some other day you know <laughs> I can switch a little bit but today you, know, I you wouldn't trade it for the world like today I'm great you should <laughs> exactly. totally do it don't ask me tomorrow yeah no I'm with <laughs> you it is it is game changing it really is everything you think it is and then and then some because at that point you can you know not to get all spiritual psychology on it but like you can really start connecting with what's most important whether that's your friends your family your service work your whatever yep. you connect with you have that ability because I feel like when we have the full-time jobs and if you love your job great but if you have a full-time job you're not just eight hours a day you're the warm-up time in the morning the commute time work time um, decompress time drive home to you know like yeah. your brain it, you just you have so little time to we're only on this earth once like and if you're spending your entire 
life revolve in even where you live yeah. if everything revolves around the work you're doing and you don't love the work you're doing you're missing out on a lot so you know it's i do encourage and we're in a day and age where you can figure something out like totally. you can work remotely you can do whatever it's it's not always easy by any stretch but yeah it it is there's a lot of power on the other side totally Allie, this has been a ton of fun. It really has. It's Angela, been a lot of fun. How did I do? <laughs> <laughs> Angela, I'm sure she's nodding and doing the thumbs up right now. She she loved you before she even got to know you. Um, but thank you for doing this. I, I appreciate it. It's been a blast. I, I, I we're gonna put that link in the in the show notes for sure. Um, but I suggest everyone download that and go buy a copy and, and give her a rating be review. So amazing for sure, right? As a new author, I, I understand that. So rating review is mm -hmm. huge, and. Uh, yeah, that's any, anything else before we leave? I'm just thinking there's so much that's going through my head that we talked about, but I, I think we ended it really nicely. I think it's yeah. super important no, to this understand. This is a super fun one because, you know, I do real estate podcasts and we often only talk about real estate, but it's kind of like, and I even kind of hit on this on the book is like, why are we even doing real estate? Like yeah. what, is, like I, you know, everyone's like for the money, for the cash flow. Okay, well, what does that get you? Yep, you know, like, exactly. And so to be able to talk about those things, for one, I don't always get to talk about them and there's, and that's the exciting part. Like, yeah, real estate's cool. I love going to check out properties. Yeah, I like spreadsheets and numbers. Like, cool, I like yeah. cash flow. But, you know, there's more to it. Again, totally. there's more to life than just the thing, you know, the thing yep. that we're doing. And so I love that you brought so much of that up when we got to talk about that because, those are the fun things. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And thank you for being an awesome guest. And thank you for your time. I appreciate it. You yeah, could be on a beach right now. On. Yeah, for sure. I, I, uh, the wind came like, uh, it was yesterday. That was 80 degrees. I'm, I'm in Michigan, so <laughs> you're getting no sympathy uh, from me, right? It's yeah, like 25 well, degrees right now outside. Um, Let's see. I think, let's see. It is... It's 70 degrees and sunny out, so I'm like, oh gosh, it's so chilly. I want to go to the beach now. Are you crazy? How did I go from liking you to hating you so fast? It's crazy. <laughs> but like, I had this chick on earlier, and uh, like, she started a global pandemic and <laughs> manifested and it. You didn't start it; you manifested it. Somebody else started it. But just like, from your I can't juju. Can't tell anyone that because they're gonna take my spiritual psychology degree back. <laughs> like, um, hi, we uh, heard that you're using your powers. Exactly. For... Can we? Can we just grab that little sheet of paper from you? Great. <laughs> the little, yeah, your little, uh, your little spell book. Can we have that back? <laughs> I've almost sent it back to him a few times. I'm like, I, <laughs> like I'm watching myself in this situation. Like I should just mail that back. <laughs> cool. <laughs> oh my God. Well, like again, thank you for doing this. I, I really appreciate it. Stay warm, stay inside, cuddle next to your fire. It's 70 degrees. I don't want you to catch a chill, <laughs> uh, but have a great rest of your week and have a great weekend. And just, I hope 20, uh, 2021 is awesome for you. You too. Thank you All so right. much. Thank you. All right, that was a blast. Hopefully you guys enjoyed that. Allie's a blast. She's a very smart lady, uh, very self-deprecating. But listen, aerospace engineer, uh, she wrote for Bigger Pocket. She has this company that she built in this lifestyle business. She does exactly what she wants. She lives life on her she lives life on her terms, and that's really what we're trying to do here, guys. I think everyone is just trying to design a life that they love, that they're proud of, that they want to wake up every morning and wake up to no alarm for that matter, right? Like if hearing her at the end didn't inspire you to really go out there and get it done, I don't know what will. But guys, go out there and get it done. Because if nothing else, not having to wake up to an alarm is pretty fantastic. Go out there and make it happen. We'll talk to you next time. Okay. 
you're still there. You're still listening. That's awesome. And I really appreciate that. Now, hopefully it wasn't an accident. Hopefully you didn't leave the room and I'm just talking to an empty room right now. But assuming you're still there, I want to do something really, really cool for you. For a limited time, I want to give you a free digital download of my book, the entire book, level jumping. If you're a listener to the show, you know it just came out and it really details how I took my business from being like one where I was just doing a few deals a month, maybe one or two deals a month to doing over 10 and sometimes 15 deals a month and over a hundred a year. And I went from doing very little profit to over a million dollars in profit. And I made that transformation in a 12 month period. And this book talks about what I did, the steps I took to transform my business and how you can too. So grab a free digital download and you can get that by texting the words, just start as two words. Now just start to the number five, five, four, four, so text just start to 55444. I will send you a free digital download of my book. It's the complete book. There's nothing held back and that'll be completely yours just for making it to the end of the show and listening to me. And I really, really appreciate it guys. So I want to do something nice for you. I do this every once in a while at the end of shows. And if you listen to the very end, every once in a while, I do a giveaway like this. So hopefully you enjoy that. Go grab a free copy. I hope you read it. I hope you love it. Reach out. Let me know what you think. All right, guys. Talk to you next time.